Good morning, Legacy City Church. You guys, if you guys want to scoot closer, you can. And just so you know, if you're a hot-blooded person, the heaters are on that back corner and this front corner. So if you get hot easy, don't sit right here and don't sit in that back row. But if you like it cool, the front over here is always nice and where you guys are at. So if you're freezing back there, you can have this whole front row. The burrows are not here. I know you're cool. So like I wear sunglasses every day while I'm delivering mail because the sun is always shining in the world of cool. So that was Gene Simmons said that. <clears throat> I won't tell you who Gene Simmons is if you... <laughs> I won't stick my tongue out, but it's, it's not quite like his. But anyway, I won't do it. Now this is family. Cheryl, you're all alone in that. You can sit over here. I'll sit next to you over here or stand next to you. Okay. Okay. If you guys want, whatever's cozy, we're all going to be worshiping and closing our eyes and getting lost in the presence of Jesus anyway. So, okay, we're going to open up with a scripture. And I think you guys are going to enjoy this. I hope. I hope you enjoy it. So, uh, let's see. Naira and Marilyn, you'll, you'll relate to this because it was uh, covered in one of our teachings for school. So there's this story that most of you have probably heard about. Shh. Sorry. <laughs> see, I just wanted to see how I could make her jump. No, really, quit talking. I'm going to just keep on staring at you guys and talking about you until you stop whispering. I can do this because we're just a tiny little group today, and they're all looking at you. Okay, most of you know this story from the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 30. I'm just going to preach to you guys. There's this guy named Jacob, and he thought this chick named Rachel was really hot. He thought, she's a hottie. He's going to go for this one. So he actually talked to her dad <laughs> and said, look, I'm really interested in your hot daughter. What can I do for you to let me have her as my wife? And Mr. Laban, he's like, well, this is my deal. You're going to work for me for seven years. Free labor for seven years. Then you can have her. And most of you know the story, you know. He tricked him on the wedding night. Now, I'm not going to put you guys in this story because this is going to get weird for one of my children. Um, but Laban, <laughs> he slipped his oldest daughter into the marriage tent, Leah. And Jacob woke up in the morning. And he's like, uh, you're not Rachel. What the hey? You guys know the story. So what does he do? He's like, all right, Laban, you fooled me. You put your other daughter in the tent. Now I'm married to her. I wanted to marry Rachel. And he's like, okay, I'll give you Rachel, another wife. So this is kind of like Mormonism here, but not. <clears throat> I don't know why they were allowed to do stuff like that, but God fixed that later on. Um, he said, work for me another seven years, and then you can have Rachel. So he did, and he married Rachel. And then they all started, you know, well, Leah was having kids and Rachel wasn't. So they started giving their, their maid servants to, to him. I mean, this dude, it's like, what is up with that? His wives are giving him his, their woman servants. And here, have some babies with my 
slave girls. Strange, strange time. The Old Testament is like a movie. I, if you want entertainment, this is the, the real stuff. I mean, Noah and his sons, Noah getting drunk. And, I mean, wow, weird stuff. And that's the guy that God chose to start the new world after the flood. Anyway, back to Jacob and, and Laban and his wives. So, to get to the point, and I'll read the scripture to you guys, and then we're going to worship. There is a reason for me going over this. <laughs> Tammy's panicking over there. She's having a hot flash. Are you guys having hot flashes for her? I'm starting to have one. So, Jacob was like, okay, I got two wives now, Laban. I got your daughters. I've got livestock, all kinds of stuff. I really want to just like take my family and go away from you because you're kind of, you know, ripping me off all the time. And so here's the story. I'll just read it from Genesis chapter 30. We're going to start at verse 25. So try to track with me, guys. I think you're, you're fresh still. We haven't wiped each other out with a long worship service, and this may be our teaching for the day. Who knows? After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way so I can go back to my homeland. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much, I've, how much work I've done for you. But Laban said to him, I have found favor in your eyes. Please stay. I have learned by divination. Ugh, that's a, not a good thing, but he's you know, seeking out sorcerers or something. He learned by divination that the Lord had blessed him because of Jacob. He added, name your wages and I'll pay them. This is important. This is, we're getting to the important stuff here. Name your wages and I'll pay them. Jacob said to him, you know how I have worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came increased greatly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now when may I do something for my own household? What shall I give you? Laban asked him. Don't give me anything, Jacob replied. But if you will do this one thing for me. See, this is when he still had his old name, Jacob which means deceiver or trickster, because God changed his name later after an encounter. But as the trickster, Jacob, he said, don't give me anything, but if you will do just this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all of your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, even dark colored, every dark-colored lamb and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages." Apparently, there were more pure white ones, solid colored, than speckled. And my honesty will testify for me in the future whenever you check on the wages you have paid me. Any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted or any lamb that is not dark colored will be considered stolen. Agreed, Laban said. He knew a good deal when he saw it. Let it be as you have said. That same day... Now catch this story, guys. This is weird. This is weird stuff. That same day, he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them, and all the dark-colored lambs, and he placed them in the care of his sons. Then he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flock. So he already kind of ripped off part of what should have been Jacob's. Jacob, however took fresh-cut branches 
from poplar, almond, and plane trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Hmm, that's a curious thing. Taking branches, cutting into them, exposing the the white streaks. Then he placed the peeled branches in all of the watering troughs so that, I lost my place, so that they would, they would, the sheep, the lambs, the goats, would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. He put the branches right in front of where the sheep come to drink. That would be like me putting stripped branches in front of your dinner table every night, or in Ethan's case, in front of his computer when he's playing Minecraft. And all he sees in his peripheral vision are these branches with cut marks in them. Why? Why would he do that? When the flocks were in heat, okay, now this is getting a little PG-13, kids. When the flocks were in heat, that means they wanted to have sex and multiply. In case you didn't know what heat is, children. When they were in heat and they came to drink, they mated. Do I need to go into description? Okay. They mated. They, they did their thing in front of the branches. Okay, what's the big deal? They're outdoor animals. They're going to mate somewhere in the barnyard, in the corral. But Jacob knew that they liked to do that right by the watering trough. They'd go get a drink, and then they'd you know, hook up. It's kind of like a bar. <laughs> I won't ask any of you if you had that experience in your B.C. days. Jesus saved me before my 21st birthday. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, where was my place here? Um, Okay, they were in heat. They came to drink. They made it in front of the branches. Now check this out. They bore young. They bore and they they had babies that were streaked or speckled or spotted. All of them. All they were doing was drinking and having marital affairs for animals in front of these branches that had streak marks on them. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, but he made the rest face the streaked and dark-colored animals that belonged to Laban. Thus, he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. Whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of them. So they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and females and male servants and camels and donkeys. What is the point of this story? Why am I reading that to you this morning? Let me just suggest that what we put before our eyes, we reproduce. There is a supernatural, spiritual activity happening in this story. Those animals had those things in front of their vision and they produced, they reproduced offspring that reflected what was in front of their eyes. 
I would even go as far to say what you and I put before our eyes, we will reproduce in our lives. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that as we worship Jesus, as we go before the face of God with unveiled face, that means we take everything out of the way and we go straight into his presence and locking the eyes of our spirit onto the eyes of our God. As we do that, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that as we behold him, we get changed. As we fix our eyes upon the glory of the Lord, we get transformed from glory to glory to glory. And Paul says in in Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That transformation, that, that renewing of our mind comes when we put truth in front of us. I know Debbie's like, why aren't they worshiping yet? You just missed the whole Laban story and the speckled and spotted animals having sex, you know, in front of branches. And anyway, what we put in front of us, what what we choose to renew our minds with, is going to affect of how we be, who we become, what we become. Let's do. Why did that close up? Sorry, guys. We, we are going to worship, and this is probably going to be the message for today. Let me do this here. Where is it? Right there. Okay. We're going to look at one thing. So, Ethan, I'm going to throw you off just a little bit. But let me find out where the spot is that I was actually just thinking of. You on my slideshow? The notes, the walking and joy one. Okay. We're going to look at, real quick here before we worship, we are going to look at, let's just go to slide number five. We're going to do five, six, and seven, and then we're going to pray and worship. So the theme in the last couple weeks, and I felt like we should just keep going forward with it today, is this theme of joy. Walking in supernatural joy. You know, we had talked about over the last couple weeks that joy is not something that we walk in based on our circumstances. It's not when all of the outward things around us are just perfectly lined up, then we can have joy. No, actually joy is a person. Joy is the Holy Spirit. He is the kingdom. He is righteousness, peace, and joy. He is love, hope, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self. He's all of the fruit of who he is, the fruit of the spirit. So joy is a person, and he wants to manifest his fruit, his various facets of his nature and character. He wants to manifest them in our lives in an experiential way where you can walk in his love, you can walk in his peace, you can walk in his joy, you can walk in the righteousness that he has credited to you already. He's given you all things. He's given me and you all things that we need for life and for godliness by his spirit and by his promises. It's amazing. So joy, the the one thing, one of those fruits that we're like, I have a hard time when I'm living with a butthead and God says, you know, walk in my joy and I've come to give you joy overflowing, joy abundant, but, you know, I've got people around me that woman you put in the garden with me, 
Not you. You're perfect. You're a sweetheart. My workplace, my neighbors, and believe me, I've got neighbors too. They like to smoke that stuff. Makes me mad. All of the circumstances around me are challenging me. They're saying, let me control your inner world. Let the people, let the circumstances, let your opinion of who God is or what he's like, which may be way off, let that all just influence your inner world. Let me make you feel shameful, guilty, like a crumb, like a worm, because you think God is a punisher. Or we can, we can be influenced that way, or we can be changed on the inside, renewed in the way we think by, the, by hearing the truth and believing the truth and the promises of God, putting them before our eyes and allowing them to filter through our, our eyes, which are like the gate into your brain, going into your brain, into your hard drive, filtering through your hard drive like antivirus software and purging its way out when you speak it out of the speakers. I don't know. That's my picture. We'll use computer terminology. So let's read this. I want you guys to stand up. We're going to worship. Being joyful is not a matter of personality. It is a godly mindset. Say mindset. Mindset. We need to establish a stronghold of joy in our lives in order to be victorious in trying times. Where there's no hope for the future, there is no power for the present. Just soak on that one for a second. When we have abounding hope, it propels us into the things that God has for us. That's Steve Backland. Bill Johnson said, I cannot afford to have any thoughts in my mind that he is not thinking Our future depends on our belief systems. Our current present reality is the result of our past belief systems. We must go to a higher level in our beliefs. It's called repentance. Going back to the pinnacle. Repenting. We are going back to fixing our eyes on the truth of who God is and what he has to say and what he thinks about everything. We must go to a higher level in our beliefs. We, it's called repentance. Feeling bad is about 1% of true repentance. True repentance is changing the way you think about something. It's not a one-time thing. It is a lifestyle. We've been called to a lifestyle of repentance. Boy, in some churches that could sound, oh, oh, oh give me the branch and I'll whip my back. feel bad about myself. If we feed ourselves on life and joy, and this is what we're going to start our worship with. If we feed, we're going to feed in just a second here. If we feed ourselves on life, Jesus, and joy, the Holy Spirit, and what God is doing here on earth, we will live like Jesus lived on earth. But if we feed ourselves on bad news all of the time, if that is our focus in life, then we will live out of fear and despair. Close that down. We're going to pray. Jesus, we thank you, God, that you have given us everything we need for this life, for godliness, for hope, for joy. 
everything that we could choose to walk away from and try to, try to find it in stuff, try to find it in substances or relationships that are unhealthy or habits that, that just destroy us, God. You have given us a better way. You have given us a higher way, and we give you thanks for that. We give you thanks for your truth. We give you thanks today for all of your very great and precious promises that we find in your word. We give you thanks today that you have not abandoned us or left us as orphans, but you have given us your Holy Spirit who is deeply at work in each one of us, working and moving and changing us as we open up to to Holy Spirit influence, Holy Spirit transformation within, you are moving us from glory to glory to glory into the likeness of Jesus, that we would think like our Lord and we would see life like our Lord Jesus and we would know the truth and walk in the truth and be set free. So today, Jesus, as we come to worship you, we recognize that the access to your presence is the blood of the cross. And we present ourselves before you as those who have been washed and covered by your precious blood. We recognize the power of your cross that has reconciled us to you and the Father. We thank you this morning that there is nothing that needs to separate us from you. Nothing to keep us from coming boldly into your presence to receive your mercy and your grace in this hour. We come this morning to worship you. Guys, just lift up your voices and worship. Just begin to sing in the Spirit or worship in the Spirit. We worship you, Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We say, come and fill this room. Let our lives be like the floodgates of heaven being opened wide. Let us just lift up our praises to you that you would be enthroned on the praises of your people. Let the words that flow out of our mouths bring transformation. Let the things that we lift up out of our voices bring a shift in the atmosphere into this place. Shift the atmosphere, not just for us, not just for those around us, but for the city. Lord, let our worship this morning be like a, like a nuclear bomb going off. Let there be a wave of your presence that flows out of here. Let there be a wellspring. Let the springs break open this morning. We choose to, to worship you and go deep into your presence to crack open the wells. And we worship you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness, for your kindness. Thank you for your merciful grace that takes us from glory to glory. You take us graciously line upon line, and you bring us to that place where we, uh, where you have graciously uh, invited us to uh, give up that which binds us, to give up that which holds us back. And we thank you, Father, for your goodness to call us up and to bring us up, to bring us into that place with our eyes graciously, gently open to see your goodness and that you cause us to see the goodness in others. Hallelujah. Thank you.
You guys know what I'm going to say. Good morning, kings and priests. Thank you, Lord. Um, in the mornings, I usually get up about 4.20. So when I come out, Sharon's already up, and she's got her different things she plays. And one of the things, one of the guys she listens to, his name is Reverend Ike. And he was a pastor from the 50s, 60s, and I think into the 70s as well. And anyway, you know, when you're sitting there at 4.30 in the morning and you're listening to this, you just kind of, you know, you're kind of zombified, but some of it sinks in. And one of the things that he said was, he goes, you know, when somebody angers you or does something against you, consider him or her your friend. Call them friend. <laughs> so that's one of the things, you know, it's kind of sitting in the back of my mind. And as you all know, we went on vacation, went down to California, the land of fruits and nuts. But on the way back in Washington, Sharon is driving along down the freeway, do to do to do, and all of a sudden a car lane changes and almost takes our front bumper off. And I'm not driving, but I'm like, and apparently the passenger, the guy, some other girl was driving. And anyway, we see them down the road. And I'm looking over at him, he's a couple lanes over, so they happen to be going the same way. And I see him over there, and he's flipping me off. <laughs> and then it, in the back of my mind, I hear the Frankens, the old Frankenstein. Friend. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, Lord. All right, I'm going to concern my friend. So I look over at him, and I wave, and I'm smiling. And then I start laughing, and I see him laughing. And then he changes it from this to this <laughs> and then they go off and it's like you know it says in the bible you're supposed to return evil good for evil and it's like after that i think about that and it puts a smile on my face it's like and then it like i say the the old frankenstein so now if somebody cuts me off or something comes in the back of my mind friend <laughs> Anyway, just something that happened to us I thought I would share. Is there anybody else who would like to share? I have something to share, too. Oh, okay. So um, at work, they're, uh, they're trying to engage the staff to be, you know, just... This is more than just a workplace. So uh, they had asked if I would lead an art lesson. And so um, in prepping for this, I, I asked the Lord, I said, well, this is different. This is new and different for work. So um, I just, I need your guidance. And so in preparing for the lesson, he, what he's clarifying is that when we look at a tree, we think of a static thing. It's just a tree. And the Lord, he's like, now look at it. Don't look at it as one static thing, but look at it as little clusters of shapes, little clusters of colors, little clusters of 
just little clusters. And um, he says, I want you to begin to see people that way. So you may see a man standing on a corner with a sign. And in your, in your thoughts, you go, oh, homeless bum, why doesn't he get a job? And he's like, he's like, he's like that may be a, a certain aspect, but that is not who he is, you know. He may be experiencing this, or he may be not. He might just be out there, you know, something to do, a way to get some money. But who he is, is he is a man. He may be a father. He may be a husband. He may be going through tough times. Uh, but deep within him, but who he really is, he is birthed out of the heart of God. And in that place of that birthing, that's the true gem. That's the true treasure. And so, um, so it, it's really changing everything. Because now when I see a person, you know, I, I don't think of them as older. I don't think of them as younger. I don't think of them as um, disabled. It's like, wait a minute, there's a gem and there's a treasure. And uh, if we'll be still, the Lord will show us that peace. So that's, thank you. I know somebody else has something to oh. share. In the lessons we're learning about, uh, Chris talks about aliases. And aliases can be put on us by someone else. It's an alias we can put on ourselves. That's not how he sees us and what our origins are. So that's a good word in seeing someone because it's, everyone's created in his image. Don't call them out by their alias. Don't see them by their alias. See them as God sees them, as beloved of him. So when you see circumstances with, the, like with the gender change stuff and all of that, don't call that out. Don't see it that way because God says that door is not shut. See as he sees and see the future and the potential because we see things in the here and now. He wants us to have kingdom eyes. I have one more thing to say. One more promise. Um, the funny thing about the elections and the political process and what's going on in our country now is, is it's disturbing, yes. Um, don't let it rob you of your peace because this is what, or joy, because you know this is what the media is portraying. But what's happening behind that, which is the real thing, is a huge outpouring of the Spirit of God. There are people by the thousands that are getting saved, thousands of them. And it's going on as this stuff is in front of your face. It's like wearing a, a welding shield is what the media is like. Everything is dark. But then once you flip that welding shield up, everything is light. And that's what's going on. So that being said, don't let it rob you of your peace and joy. In fact, right now, Lord, right now, we thank you for leaving us your peace and joy. Let it come down on each one of us. Let our heart be comforted 
and those around us, our family members, our friends, let us be like a light that comes into a dark room that takes away all darkness. Darkness, flee right now in Jesus' name. And we say that our peace, your peace that you have given us, has overcome the darkness in Jesus' name. Amen. So just, I want to piggyback on to what everyone else was saying. And, uh, you know, I just want to, I'll read the scripture that was coming to mind. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, let's see. We'll start at verse 14, because this is an important verse too that precedes it. For the love of Christ controls us. What is it that is moving and motivating us? Is, is it fear or fear of sin or, you know, fear of, you know, a bad outcome of the future. What is it that controls us? But Paul says it is the love for the love of Christ, the love of Jesus controls us because we have concluded this, that one died for all. He died for all. So that homeless person, that whoever it is that is in front of you, the guy flipping you off on the road, he died for all. All means all. Doesn't mean that they're going to be in heaven. I mean, hopefully they will be because he died for them. And he's, he loved them that much. He died for everyone because he loved everyone that much that he would take their sin as well as your sin upon himself on the cross. So that's an important thing to start with. One died for all, <clears throat> therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And here's the key. From now on. So from now on. And this is what I would like to renew my mind with, and hopefully you would renew your minds with, as, as the love of Jesus for you has, has controlled your life, has propelled you forward in life. From now on, we regard no one not just Christians, but we regard nobody according to the flesh. Whatever you're looking at in front of you, if it's the mirror and you're looking at yourself, you need to see beyond what's in front of you. Don't regard yourself or anyone else according to the flesh, the outward appearance. Even though we once regarded Jesus that way, oh, he's just you know, the guy hanging on the cross. But we regard him that way no longer. No, we see him as glorious king of kings whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose face shines brighter than the sun, who has the sharp double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, and his voice sounds like the roaring of many waters. I mean, the one when you get a glimpse of that and you fall at his feet as though dead, read Revelation chapter 1, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, we, we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, but now we don't. We see him according to the spirit because he is exalted. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I really, I, I love that scripture because I try, to, I try to practice that when I see people. When I've, 
when I felt like the Holy Spirit is, is impressing on me to give a prophetic word to someone in the workplace or somebody somewhere that I know I may come in contact with again, I've eliminated that barrier in my mind that, well, they got to be a, I have to know if they're a Christian first before I can prophesy what God says about them. That, that is no longer a part of my thinking. No, we are all on the same playing field. It's just that some of us have been transferred into the kingdom of light and some of us are still in the kingdom of darkness, but he died for all and he is drawing all. He wants all to come to salvation and no one to perish. So he sees, as who was saying it up here, their original design, original intent, that was Naira. He sees their original design that he had when he was dreaming of them before creation, when he had you and me in his heart, and then you were birthed, and then the effects of sin twisted and, and marred you. And if you want a good book on that topic, that book by John Carney, Untwisted, is, I think we still have a couple of those, but one left. Uh-oh, I hope you guys don't start fighting over it after the meeting. But that is the whole thing of catching God's heart and eyes and vision for how he sees people and how he sees you. Chris Vallotton said in one of our teaching sessions that you are the light of the world. Jesus said, Jesus said, about himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And then he told the disciples after the, the Beatitudes, I think that's, it was right after the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are not a black light. I'm not talking about your skin color. You're not you are not a dim little light. You are light. If you are in Christ and Jesus is in you, you are, you are light. You are bright. And we all know how bright a light is when you turn it on in a dark room. That is how your life shines. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate our thinking and our understanding with who you really are. I had that vision one day going home, just kind of throwing off the funk of the day, and I had this picture of me with my hands on the steering wheel and looking down at the windshield with my head kind of forward or whatever, and there was like this bright brown, pointy crown, brown, bright crown on top of my head. So we have a lot of fun with these little crown emojis. We create our face on the thing and put a crown on it. We want to remind ourselves, like David is faithful to do whenever he stands up here, good morning, kings and priests. You are in Christ. He is the king of heaven. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Is he your king? Then he's the king of kings. That means you're a king too, a little K, king. He is our king, and we are seated with him in, heaven, in the heavenly realm. So it's amazing. I'm not going to preach. But what I'd like to do is with that thought, well, I, I, first I want to encourage us in the process of mind renewing. I had said it twice now. I'll say it again this week. Two-thirds of what Paul wrote was on mind renewal. 
It's not Romans 12, 1, repeated over and over, be transformed by renewing your mind, but it is over and over and over about reckoning this, considering that. It's all of these, these choices in your mind to make. You put off this stuff, and you put on this stuff. It's decisions. It's choices of how you believe and how you see yourself. And in that scripture I just read, he's giving us another one. Don't regard, don't look at other people any longer according to the flesh. You are a new creation. When you look in the mirror, don't just look at the sack of flesh that your spirit walks around in. Yeah, look at it, make sure your teeth don't have food on them or, you know. Or if you're shaving and you cut yourself, don't forget to take the toilet paper tissues off your face like I forgot to do one time when I was a teenager. Walked into McDonald's and my niece was behind the counter and she looked at me with horror. And I I just realized at that moment, I don't think it was from shaving either. I think it was uh, other stuff, you know, childhood stuff that you, anyway. This is what we should do, guys. I, I feel like we could just take the last bit of our time here. I should have checked with Tammy, see how she felt. But you didn't come up here with me. Okay. What do you want to do then? Just close now and be done? I could take a consensus and see what everyone else thinks. It's a really joyful song. Okay. Okay. I'll listen to her because she's pretty smart. I had a backup worship song, but I think you guys are good. How do you guys feel right now? Feeling good? What I really would like to do before we close the meeting is take an opportunity to pray for each other. If, if any, and I had this thought, um, but we don't have to do it that way. But I'll throw this out there anyway. If you are a person that just has has it down, you walk in supernatural joy. I would like you to be up here. Like, even now, come up. If you feel like you walk with just like, you got joy down, you have it. If you have peace, so that's me. I'm a man of peace. I, I think it was on my life before I got saved, actually. It's just, it's not a boast. It's just how God wired me. I am very, I'm easily at peace. Um, if you have an abundant hope that you just are always hopeful, come up. And if you don't have that and you just want to come up and receive prayer for any of those things, let's just pray. I really feel like God wants to break off whatever it is that may be preventing any one of us in this room from experiencing the joy of who he is or the hope of who he is or the peace of who he is. It's one of the blessings of being a body of believers, a family, that we get to come together and we just get to brush each other off. If you just need to get brushed off, you feel like, you know, the funk of the world has gotten on you. It happens to all of us. Sometimes we just need some prayer brushing off, get the critters off, get the slime. I don't think there's any critters on any of you anyway, but, you know, it might feel like the residue from them is still on you. 
So why don't you guys stand up? Why don't we stand? We'll we'll pray, and then I'll have I'll ask Ethan to, um, under the one selection of I think it's communion playlist or something. There's the the quiet repetitive. You'll find it. It's down there in the playlist. It says communion. Just click on one of those at the end here, and after we pray, then we'll just come up and we'll just pray for each other. Let's just have a little family huddle time. And if if you don't want prayer, um, you can fellowship in the in the back part there. But if you want to come in and get in on it, or you just want to add to the prayer, let's let's uh, do that. So, and then just so we know what's going on, who's like up here for prayer? You guys are up here to pray. Okay, okay, good. Okay. Do we need to have a sign that says who has the hope and who has the joy? No? Just we'll take whatever? Okay. And if none of you come over here, then we'll just pray for each other. And by the way, let me just make this clear. Not one of us up here has all of it, just like none of you over here have all of it. We just know that there are places in our lives where we've experienced a breakthrough and we're, we're able to easily walk in a, a particular thing. Like I can pray for hearts easily, but praying for cancer might be a little more challenging for me. But I have extreme faith for heart issues. I have extreme faith for fevers being broken. It's just little things. But I, I, have, I have faith to see people who are not pregnant get pregnant when they want to get pregnant. So, but I don't have faith for everything. I've seen breakthroughs, so God has put that in in the front of my arsenal to to press in for those victories and breakthroughs. Same with everyone here, same with you guys. But I really want to focus specifically on joy and hope, hope and joy, whatever might be keeping you in a in an attitude or a, a mood of just feeling kind of blah all the time. Let's just go after it. Let's just have some time. So I'll pray, and then we'll put that music on, and, and then, and what, cut this down after that? Yeah, let me pray, and then, then you can cut me off. Okay. All right, so guys, let's just put our hands out. Yeah, Jesus, you are the answer. You are the one that we need more than anything in life. You are the source of life, and without you, we have nothing. We are just empty. And you have called us into abundant life. You have called us into experiencing a love relationship with you and with the Father and with Holy Spirit. We thank you that you've called us into this love, that you have freely forgiven us, that you have removed the barrier of sin and shame, and you have credited, you have You have told us that you have applied over us. You have covered us with us with your robe of righteousness. That you have given each one of us the clothing of heaven. That we are clothed in Jesus. That Jesus, you cover every person in this room who has come to you. And so we thank you for that. We thank you that you are our everything. You are our source of hope and joy and peace. And our, when our love tank or our kindness tank or our patience tank starts to go on empty, that we can come to you and get it filled back up. So this, this afternoon, God, we just give you thanks and we say, Holy Spirit, 
Let the tangible presence of the Lord come into this room today. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. With the words of our mouths, with the declaration of faith, we activate the angelic realm this afternoon where we are boldly stepping into a transfer of hopelessness for joy, for emptiness, a double portion. We are declaring what you have freely given us through the power of the cross, your, your cross, your burial, your resurrection. We say, let the angelic realm be activated and release those heavenly storehouse treasures today. Yeah, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come. In Jesus' name.